Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Hey, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to take a second and welcome those who are joining us online from home or wherever you may be for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. And if you're joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I want to ask you to do me a favor and fill out our Connect card before you leave today. Uh, You can scan that QR code there on the screen or text us, or if you received a bulletin on your way in, there's a little card in there. You can tear out, fill it out, and drop it in the plates as you leave uh, the building today. We just want to get some information from you, get in touch with you, see how we can serve you. But we're so glad that you're here. Uh, We started a series last week called Close and Far, And in this series, we're just taking a couple weeks to talk about how we can live on mission like Jesus did. And I'm not necessarily trying to talk about the actions that Jesus did, which we do want to do those things, but I'm talking about how he lived. Uh, And the reality for every single one of us is that you're called, there's a purpose and a plan for your life that is written by God, and you have this mission to continue And in order for us to be effective at continuing the mission of Jesus, we have to live like Jesus lived. And so last week we talked about the heart of Jesus and we talked about how in order to reflect Jesus to the world around us, we have to reflect his heart as well. Uh, And today we're gonna talk about the confidence of Jesus. How do we become people who continue the mission of Jesus with the same confidence that he had? And the reason that I want to talk about confidence is because we are living in an epidemic of apathy. We're living in an epidemic of timidity, an epidemic of insecurity. And what I see is that Christians have really settled for so much less than what God has called them to be and do. And as a pastor, I have an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. And overall, I see this very big doubt in who we are. I see this very big doubt in who we're called to be, this very big doubt in what we're called to do. And we've grown sort of insecure in that. We've grown very apathetic in that. And that fear is ruining our effectiveness. Uh, And I think one of the things that we've grown so apathetic in, and one of the reasons for that is because of the weight of the expectations that we feel, right? I don't know if you've ever been there or not where you feel like there are all these expectations that you have to measure up to. We're talking about expectations we carry that God puts on us, expectations that other people put on us. These expectations are a weight that we carry through this life and that weight has brought a lot of worry into our lives. It's brought a lot of fear, a lot of timidity and all these things are making us less effective at reaching people for Jesus. For some of you, it's not that at all. It's the weight of comparison. I believe that comparison is the ultimate thief of joy. I believe that. And I'll be honest with you, this is one of the things that hits me the hardest as a pastor, right? We live in a world that is full of comparison. We can even compare ourselves to people all the way across the world if we want to. And it only takes a couple seconds to do that, right? I think the enemy loves to use comparison to rob us of our joy. I think the enemy loves to use comparison to rob us of our identity and our effectiveness because we can think God has called me to do this and then all of a sudden we get on the internet and we see someone who's doing it better than we're doing it and it only takes a few seconds to do that, right? And then all of a sudden we start to wonder, okay, 
Am I really called to do this? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? Is this really the work that God wants to do in and through my life? Comparison affects us in so many different ways. And when we begin to compare ourselves to other people, it can very quickly bring some doubt and some worry and some fear into our lives. And all of those things, again, they're just ruining our effectiveness, right? I also see this imposter syndrome happening. It's this idea that we put on this mask and wear this strong exterior shell because if people knew who we really were on the inside, right, then they wouldn't like us all that much. They wouldn't respect us very much. They wouldn't want to be around us. So whatever it is for you, there are a lot of things going on in our culture today that take away our confidence. It could be other people's expectations of you. It could be comparison. It could be the imposter syndrome, any one of these things will steal your joy, your peace, your confidence. And when that confidence is gone, so is your effectiveness at reaching people for Jesus and continuing the mission that he has called us to be on. So today we're gonna talk about the confidence of Jesus. What does that look like? We're called to have the same confidence that he had. It's a confidence that is free from fear, free from comparison, free from expectation. We're going to call it today a settled confidence. Everybody say that with me, settled confidence. And I think that's a helpful term. Jesus calls us to live life with a settled confidence. And I say settled confidence on purpose because people often mistake confidence with arrogance, all right? And Jesus did not call us to be arrogant. Jesus was not arrogant. And arrogance and confidence are two very different things. Arrogance is something that comes from pride. And ultimately, arrogance leads to fear because at some point you're gonna realize that you're not quite as awesome as you think you are, right? And that's gonna bring some fear into your life. So arrogance is not what we want. We want a settled confidence. And this is very different. A settled confidence is what we find when we're settled in who God has called us to be. A settled confidence is what we find when, we settled, when we're settled in what we're doing. A settled confidence is, is what we find when we're settled in who we're, we're pleasing. And out of that settled confidence comes peace and rest and purpose and mission and hopefully a greater amount of effectiveness at continuing the mission of Jesus. So having a settled confidence is very different than what we tend to think of as confidence, right? When I use the word confidence, you probably think of someone who's very loud and boisterous and big and tough. That's what we think of when we think of confidence, right? And there were times in the life of Jesus where he was very loud in his confidence, right? But there are also times when he was silent in a settled confidence. So having a settled confidence, it's not at all about what's in your personality, all right? It's about what's inside of your heart. And again, this settled confidence, it's free from fear, free from expectation, free from comparison. It's the kind of confidence that Jesus walked in and it's the kind of confidence that God calls us to walk in as well. And it's important that we take the time to figure this out because we live in a world today that is trying to shake us every way it can, right? We talked a little bit last week about the friction between the church and the world. Remember, this friction isn't new, right? It's been around since the very beginning. But in a world where there's still friction, as we're continuing to live out the mission of Jesus, as we're continuing to fulfill our God-given purpose, there's going to be some friction. 
There's gonna be some difficulty along the way. There's going to be some timidity in our hearts, some fear in our lives, some doubt in our minds. So we have to come to a place where we have this settled confidence in God. We have to come to a place where we have this settled confidence in who he's called us to be, what he's called us to do. That's the kind of people that we need to be. We need to be people of settled confidence. I love what Paul tells the apostle Tim, or what the apostle Paul tells Timothy about the spirit that God gave us. And we'll read the verse here in just a second. But the apostle Paul has this young apprentice named Timothy. And it was Paul's job to teach Timothy everything he could about God, about the church, about ministry. And uh, as you read the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, you find out that Timothy was a fairly young guy. And so he needed Paul, he needed this mentor in his life. And there were some people who didn't quite approve of Timothy because of his age, right? And there were some issues that were going on in the church that he was leading. And so Paul was writing to Timothy and trying to teach him how to correct these issues and how to walk with God and how to get through this season of life and ministry that he was in. And, and Paul sort of teaches him how to walk in confidence. This is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you, through the laying on of my hands. And this is the part that I want us to pay attention to today. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, all right? But one of power, love, and sound judgment. Now there's a few things in these two verses that I really want you to notice today. The first one is in verse six. Paul tells Timothy to rekindle the gift of God that is in him. Now what does that mean, okay? What is Paul saying to Timothy? Uh, other translations say to fan into flame the gift of God, which that phrase makes absolutely no sense to me. I like this rekindle a little bit better because I think we can understand it a little bit more. But Paul's basically telling Timothy, hey, you're called to do this. You're called to this ministry. He's saying, God has given you the gifts that you need to do the ministry he's called you to. He's saying, there's a purpose for your life. And I wanna see you walk in that purpose and I wanna see you use the gifts that God has given you. So you need to rekindle that. You need to light that fire again, right? And I would say the same exact thing to each and every one of you here this morning. God has given you a unique personality. He's given you unique gifts and he's called you to continue the mission that he sent Jesus to begin. He's given you a purpose to fulfill with your life and we need to rekindle it. We need to light the fire again. We can't just let it sort of sit on the side. We need to start walking it out, right? And he goes on to say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Here's what that verse means. The fear that you have, it does not come from God because God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of sound judgment. He's saying, don't pass on the mission that God has given you because you're afraid and timid and unsure and worried and doubtful. No, he says the spirit that God gave you is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of sound judgment. So essentially, Paul is saying, I want you to rekindle this mission that God has given you and I want you to live it out intentionally, not with timidity. And the reason that I say this to you today is because so many of us live short of our God-given potential because we're weighed down with the opinions and expectations and fear of people. And the reality is we live down to the level of our doubt, all right? 
In other words, wherever the doubt is in your life, that's the level that you're living. We live down to the level of our doubt. We live down to the level of our fear. And God has given us this incredible amount of potential, right? The Bible tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And rather than rising up to that power, we live down to the level of our fear and doubt, right? But God has given us this power. He's given us this potential. He's given us a plan and a purpose that is unique for each and every one of our lives. And you can fulfill that purpose. You can continue the mission of Jesus. You can live an intentional life. You can make a difference in the world or you can live down to the level of your doubt or you can live down to the level of your fear. So the answer I believe is that we need to walk in the same settled confidence that Jesus walked in, okay? Jesus was unshakable by people. Have you ever noticed that? He was calmly confident in who he was. Everywhere he went, he was calmly confident in what he was doing. And it wasn't because everywhere he went, people approved of him because they didn't. It wasn't because everywhere he went, people were mesmerized by him because they weren't all mesmerized by him, right? It wasn't because everyone he spoke to agreed with him because they didn't. Jesus had to deal with some difficult stuff. He had to deal with some harsh people. He had to deal with some incredible opposition, even to the point of his death, right? So it's very easy for us to sort of whitewash the story of Jesus and just assume that everywhere he went, everyone approved of him and welcomed him and it was sunshine and roses, but that's not the case. It wasn't like that, right? Not everyone approached Jesus and said, hey, you're great, I love you, right? No, (laughs) he had some opposition. People who wanted to kill him followed him everywhere he went, They were trying to stone him every chance they could. He faced opposition, misplaced expectations, even from his closest friends, right? At times, even they didn't realize what he was trying to do. At times, they didn't even realize what his plan was. Everyone thought his purpose was to come and be this strong military leader who would overthrow the Roman government, but that's not what Jesus did. And sometimes the expectations of people can weigh us down, but it didn't with Jesus. People constantly placed their expectations on him. People constantly compared him to other people. They compared him to Moses. They compared him to Elijah. They compared him to John the Baptist. But despite what everyone wanted Jesus to be, he lived out his God-given purpose with a settled confidence in his soul. And here's why. Every question that causes us to fear and doubt was already answered for Jesus by the Father. And that's our problem. Every question that would cause you and I a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt, Jesus already knew the answer, right? Who am I? Am I doing the right thing? Am I walking this out the right way? Am I fulfilling everyone's expectations of me? Are people happy with me? Do they approve of me? Every time Jesus was faced with one of these questions, he reverted back to the opinion of his father. And when people questioned who he was, it didn't cause him to doubt his identity, right? He didn't think, well, these Pharisees, right? They're questioning who I am. I better rethink this, right? That's not what happened with Jesus. 
Jesus didn't allow the people around him to shape his identity because his identity was already shaped by the Father. Those questions didn't make him unsettled because he had a settled confidence in who he was. And when people asked him who he was, he responded by telling them who his father said he was. There's an excellent example of this in John chapter 10. In this passage, Jesus is claiming to be the son of God and the people are angry at him for it, right? They wanted to stone him. They wanted to sentence him to death. And his response in all of that is to tell them who God says he is, right? Let's take a look at John chapter 10, verse 31. It says, again, notice the word again. The Jews picked up rocks to stone him. So this isn't the first time. Jesus replies to them, he says, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me, right? They said, we aren't stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. In other words, they're saying, we're not mad at you for the work you're doing. We're mad at you because you're claiming to be the son of God. So he says to them, isn't it written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called those to whom the word of God came gods and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say to me, Jesus, you are blaspheming, right? Are you saying this to me, the one that the father set apart and sent into the world because I said I'm the son of God? Notice he's, he's reverting the answer back to what God has said about him. If I'm not doing my father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Essentially, Jesus is saying in a very godly way, I don't care what you say about me, right? Because this is who God says I am. It was settled in his mind. He didn't have to stop and think about it for a minute and say, okay, here's what people are saying about me. Here's what they're accusing me of. This is what God says about me. Now, let me compare these things. Let me weigh them out. Let me take a second look at this and try to figure out who I really am. No, no, no. When people came to Jesus with opposition, he said, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you think because here's what God says I am. And that is why he was able to walk in settled confidence. That's why his identity wasn't in question when people opposed him. He didn't shift to please people, which is exactly what we do all the time. He was settled in who his father called him to be. He was settled in what his father called him to do. And people were mad because of it, because he loved sinners and wanted them to follow him. Over and over and over again, Jesus tells us that he came to do the will of of the father. He told the people who were angry at him, I'm doing the will of my father. He says, I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. Here's another really good example of this. A few chapters earlier in John chapter four, I love what Jesus says. He says, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus is saying my nourishment it comes from doing the will of God who sent me and, to, and from finishing his work. He's saying the thing that feeds me, 
the thing that fills me up, the things that, that, that sustains me is doing what God has called me to do, okay? Jesus walked in settled confidence because his identity, his purpose, and his expectations were not driven by the opinions of people. They were settled by God. And that's a big deal because we often allow our identity, our purpose, and our expectations to be guided by the opinions of the people around us. We allow people's opinions to to drive our identity and our purpose and our expectations, and it changes our view of who we are. Now, I'm sure that almost all of us would say, I am who God says I am, right? You came to church this morning. Of course you'd say that, right? We all believe that. We would all say, I'm gonna do what God tells me to do. My identity is in him. We all say those things with our mouths, but there's a difference between saying them with our mouths and believing them in our hearts, right? We need to believe in our hearts so strongly that it drives our emotions, our minds, our actions, and in turn, our lives. If we're gonna be people who are unshakable by the world, then we need to be people who walk in the settled confidence of Jesus. If we're gonna be people who are unshakable by the world, we are going to have to be people who are settled in what God calls us to be and do. And here's what I see when I look at the church today. And again, I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church. I see Christians who are so afraid of what's happening in the world that they're doubting their identity in God. That's it. And if we're gonna be people who are going to overcome that fear, then we need to be people who have our identity our purpose and our expectations settled by God Almighty the same way that Jesus did, all right? So how do we do that? I'm gonna give you a few quick things. The first one is this. If you wanna have a settled confidence like Jesus did, you need to settle your identity in who God says you are, okay? Who does God say you are? You are a son or a daughter of the king. That's it, all right? One of the biggest problems I see us facing today is this idea that we need to go on a journey of self-identification, right? When you look around at the world, everybody's just trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to figure out what their purpose is. And they're constantly trying to figure out who they are. And what that's doing is it's creating a lot of identity anxiety, all right? And the reality about that is this, we get identity anxiety when we allow too many voices to tell us who we are. Listen, you only need one. You only need one voice to tell you who you are. When it comes to your identity, there is only one voice that matters, okay? But we get this identity anxiety because we have all these voices trying to tell us who we are. We get this identity anxiety because we have all these voices speaking into our lives, telling us who we need to be. In other words, our biggest issue isn't that we don't believe what God says. I think we do believe what God says. We just have 25 other voices trying to tell us who we need to be. We have 25 other voices trying to tell us what we need to do and how we need to do it. And these voices are trying to shape our identity and that causes us to have some identity anxiety because now I have all these people I'm trying to please. I have all of these expectations that I'm trying to meet and I'm trying to do everything everybody wants me to do. And that sets me up for failure and disaster. So guess what I've done? I've just quit caring. (laughs) That's it. Settle your identity in who God says you are. People can't argue with God. They can't. 
If you wanna walk in the settled confidence that Jesus walked in, you have to settle your identity in who God says you are. Everyone in this world is going to have an opinion about who you are. Everyone in this world, they're gonna have an opinion about who you need to be, an opinion about what you need to do and how you need to do it. They're wanting to have a voice in your identity. And if you're not settled in who God says you are, then your confidence is going to blow away in the wind of other people's opinions. We cannot live that way, okay? Again, think about the ministry of Jesus. What is the beginning moment of the ministry of Jesus? It's his baptism, okay? At the very beginning of of Jesus's ministry, he's baptized. And when he was baptized, the sky opened up, okay? I want you to, to be in this moment with me. Jesus is baptized and the sky opens and the voice of God in heaven speaks and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. That's a pretty cool moment, isn't it? That's the moment where the identity of Jesus is spoken over him. It's the moment where it confirms that he is who he says he is. And what's interesting is, as he walks throughout his ministry, every time someone begins to question him, he points them back to who the father says he is. He would say, this is who God says I am. This is who he's called me to be. Jesus began his ministry by settling his identity with the father. And every time he was questioned, he went back to that statement and said, no, this is who God says I am, all right? We live in a world that is trying to define us at every turn we make. And in order for us to be effective at continuing the mission of Jesus, we have to begin by settling our identity in who God says we are. That way, when someone has an opinion, that way, when someone tries to tell me who I am, that way, when someone tries to confuse me, I get to say, No, ma'am, no, sir, this is who God says I am. And I'm not gonna be confused by this world. I'm not gonna be confused by your opinion. I'm not gonna be confused by your expectations of me. I'm instead going to be settled in who God says I am. Living a life of settled confidence, it begins when we settle our identity in who God says we are. Living a life of settled confidence, it begins when we realize that our identity is set in stone. You are a son or a daughter of the king. And when someone else tries to determine that for you, you don't have to be faced because you're settled. You know who God says you are. Listen, your identity should be found in nothing else. It's not gonna be found in your job. It's not gonna be found in that home run hit you made when you were in 10th grade. Listen, it's time to move on from that, right? It's not gonna be found in the amount of money you have in your bank account. It's not gonna be found in how many friends you have. It's not gonna be found in what people say about you on social media. You are a son or a daughter of the king and nothing else that could ever be said about you comes even close to that statement about your identity. And we need to live our lives to the fullest so that he can be glorified. So let's rest in that reality. I am loved by God. I am a son. I am a daughter of the king. And I'm gonna live my life in obedience to him. That's the decision that we need to make. Settled confidence begins when we settle our identity in who God says we are. All right, you with me this morning?
Here's the second thing. If you wanna have that settled confidence that Jesus had, number two, settle on being faithful with what God has called you to do, all right? Everyone is gonna have an opinion about what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And you're going to be completely unsettled until you settle on just being obedient and faithful to what God has called you to do. That's it. Everywhere Jesus went, people told him, here's what we think you need to be doing, Jesus, right? Imagine that. And he constantly pointed people back to the fact that he was doing what pleases the Father. He constantly pointed people back to the fact that he was doing what God called him to do. And that freed Jesus from the opinions of people, okay? Everyone in this world, they're gonna have an opinion on what you need to do and how you need to do it. And we need to come to a place in our lives where the Holy Spirit is the driving force behind every single decision we make. And when that is the case for you and people wanna argue with you about the decisions you're making, you can say, I'm not gonna argue with you because I'm being faithful with what God has called me to do. Remember, you can't argue with God. And when you follow the Holy Spirit and someone disagrees with your decision, you can say, I'm sorry that you disagree, but I'm living a life of obedience to God and this is what he's called me to do, okay? Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek guidance. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't ask for wisdom, but ultimately the question we need to ask ourselves is what is God calling me to do? What does the Bible say? And we need to make our decisions based on that. And when we do that, it's settled in our minds. I am doing what God has called me to do. I'm gonna be obedient to God. I'm gonna be faithful to God. Making a decision based on what God is calling you to do will always be the right decision. But so many of us, even as Christians, we are paralyzed by the opinions and expectations of people, right? We're constantly hearing people's opinions and it paralyzes us into fear and doubt. In the same way, everyone had an opinion about what Jesus needed to do, but what did he do instead? He said, no, this is what the father sent me to do. And he lived life with settled confidence because of that, right? So just be obedient to God and let everything else work itself out. Here's the final thing, number three. If you wanna have that settled confidence, settle on who you're aiming to please, all right? The enemy of peace in your life is a heart that seeks to please people because you'll never be able to do it. Pleasing people is an ever-moving target. Everyone has an opinion and they're all right. Everyone has an expectation and they're all different and they're constantly changing. So as long as you're aiming to please people, you're never going to experience settled confidence because people pleasing is a never ending battle that will always 100% of the time leave you restless instead of settled. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't love people. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do what's right with people. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't care about people. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't be nice to people. Don't hear what I'm not saying. 
But there's a difference between loving people and caring about people and being nice to people and having your value determined by the expectations of people. So let's be welcoming. Let's love people. Let's care about people. Let's do nice things. Go two miles instead of one, right? But while we do those things, let's also remember that our value comes from God alone. While we do those things, let's remember that ultimately he is the one that we need to please. I love what Paul says. It's almost brash to me in Galatians chapter one, verse 10. He says, obviously, right? I want you to read that with an attitude. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God, why? He says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Ouch. That's a hard decision that we need to make. Whose expectations am I trying to fulfill? And to be very honest with you, there are some areas of my life where I would say, yes, 100%, I'm following God, I'm pleasing him, I'm doing everything I can to be obedient to him in these areas of my life. But in other areas of my life, I'd probably say I need to do a little bit better, right? In other areas of my life, I'd look and see a little bit of worry and anxiety and unsettledness and restlessness and what I would find underneath all of that is a bunch of opinions and expectations of people. And in that moment, we need to ask ourselves, who am I aiming to please? Because there is a peace in your life that will only come when your primary objective is to please God. And here's why. Living a life that pleases God is good for you. We don't live a life to please God because he's this tyrant who demands our obedience. No, no, no. That's not what it's about at all. Pleasing God is good for you. Pleasing God fulfills you. Pleasing God leads you to joy. It leads you to peace. It leads you to rest. Remember what Jesus said, my food, my nourishment, that what sustains me comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. He's saying it fills me. It strengthens me. It builds me up when I'm pleasing God. And when you make that decision, I'm not here to please people, I'm here to please God. It will fulfill you deeply, okay? Here's another reason why pleasing God is always the right decision because God is full of mercy and grace. When you try to please people and you fall short, they can be pretty harsh, can't they? People lack mercy and grace. I'm convinced some people have none of it, but God is full of it. Mercy and grace, it's who he is. And sometimes we fall short at pleasing people and we end up facing unforgiveness. Listen, when you fall short of pleasing God, you face mercy and grace instead. But that weight, it tears you down. When you're aiming to please people and you make a mistake, it brings a lot of fear and worry and timidity into your life. But when you aim to please God rather than people, you're gonna find mercy and grace in your failures instead. Now again, to be very clear, choosing to please God instead of people doesn't mean that you don't care about people. And I think it's very easy for us to make that mistake. 
And here's where, I, here's where I want you to understand how this works. Choosing to please God instead of people. It doesn't mean that you don't love people, okay? Because some, some people, they take that. Well, I'm just aiming to please God. Thou shalt not be a jerk, okay? That's what God would say to that. But we say, I'm aiming to please God and we treat people poorly. And we say, your feelings, they don't matter because I'm not pleasing you, I'm pleasing God. This is not an excuse to treat people poorly. Here's how this is supposed to play out. When you're aiming to please God, you're loving people like never before. That's it. When you're aiming to please God, you're gonna be an awesome husband or an awesome wife. When you're aiming to please God, you're gonna do your job to the best of your ability. When you're aiming to please God, you're gonna be the best mother, father you could possibly be. Pleasing God doesn't mean that you don't care about people. It means that you care about people more than you ever did before. That's good preaching, right? Praising God, pleasing him, it makes you humble. Pleasing God, it makes you gentle. It makes you patient. It makes you kind. If pleasing God turns you into a jerk, then you're doing the exact opposite of pleasing God. So pleasing God, it's not an excuse to not care about people and just do whatever you wanna do, no. Pleasing God means that you're going to love more deeply than you've ever loved before. It's not about removing ourselves from people. It's about freeing ourselves from the slavery of their opinions and expectations of us. That's it. So this is where I'm gonna close today. I wanna remind you, you were created on purpose for a purpose. In Canyon Creek Baptist Church, it's not a place where you come and consume and get all you can get, right? This is a place, our goal is to train you up so that you can fulfill the purpose of God in your life. You were created on purpose for a purpose. God created you for something. In other words, you're not a mistake. You weren't here by accident, right? You didn't just appear one day. God created you and is calling you to do something. And it may just be the way that you love the people around you, right? What a wonderful mission to fulfill. It may be the way you take care of people going above and beyond at the job that you're working. What a wonderful mission to fulfill. It may be being a, a parent and spending all of your time investing into your children. What a wonderful mission to fulfill. It may be the way you serve God here at the church. What a wonderful mission to fulfill. But it's easy for Christians to disqualify themselves and say, well, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to go disciple people in another country, so God must not have a great plan for my life. That could not be further from the truth. He uniquely gifted you with a purpose. And so often we get locked up in that fear, in that timidity, that doubt, not knowing who it is that I am not knowing who it is that I'm called to be, not knowing what it is that I'm called to do. And that fear, that doubt, it keeps us from living out our God-given purpose. We have to come to a place where we're able to say, I'm settling my identity and who God says I am. I am a son, I am a daughter of the King. I'm settling on being faithful with what he has called me to do. And I'm settling on pleasing him and him alone our effectiveness at continuing the mission of Jesus begins with those three decisions. 
That's how we find that settled confidence. That's how we walk it out. And that's how we make a difference in the world for Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together today. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you have called us. Father, we thank you that you want to use us. We thank you that you've empowered us to live on mission for you. And I pray, Father, over every person in this room this morning that the worry, the fear, the timidity in their spirit would just begin to be broken off of their lives. God, we don't wanna worry about people's opinions. We don't wanna worry about people's expectations. I just pray that you would help each and every one of us to come to a place where the only thing that matters in our hearts is who you say we are. So settle it, Father, in our hearts, in our minds, in our identities, and in our lives. God, help us to live in such a way that being your son or your daughter is enough for us and that we don't have to go looking for our identity in anything else. Help us, Father, to walk forward in that settled confidence. We thank you for the gift that it is. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and the first step that you need to take to walk in that settled confidence is to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You can find forgiveness and salvation in a relationship with Jesus because God sent him to this world and he lived a perfect life died a sinner's death on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but rose from the dead so that we could know him, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. So if that's where you're at today, you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus. You wanna ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.